I much appreciated. We've had a great time. Revivals go so quick, but uh, it's been a power pack weekend. No, no doubt. Can you say amen? So let's give our evangelists a hand as he comes tonight. Well, glory to God. Hope everybody got a nap today. Did you get a nap today? Put your hand up. No, anybody get a nap today? Oh, you lazy butts, man. Amen. I'll tell you what. Well, the rest of us stayed awake doing productive adult things. Amen. <laughs> so well, I wish you all the blessings. Amen. I wish I got a nap today, but instead I was working on this sermon. Amen. And the end of the year or the uh, conference video, I was putting that together today as well. Amen. So anybody coming to our conference? Are you guys coming to our conference? All right, we have one or two. Thank you. Amen. So please pray for us. Uh, that'll be the next week. And, and uh, pastor's really hoping to launch some churches and maybe up here in Virginia. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Amen. So appreciate the opportunity again, once again to be with you guys. I'm thankful for uh, the love offering. Thankful for the uh, kind words everybody's spoken. Amen. And I really do hope that this, these services have been a blessing to you. Amen. Genesis chapter 29 so we, where we will be this evening, and so as I said, I'm going to preach part two of what I said this morning. This morning, if you weren't with us, I, I preached about having a personal experience in a miracle that you can uh, have your faith sealed. You know, John, uh, the doubter, doubting uh, Th Thomas, uh, amen, when Jesus came in and, and uh, Thomas then became a believer when he got to put his fingers into the uh, holes in Jesus' wrists and up into his side, uh, there's no denying that. Amen. For the rest of his life, he is now defined by that one single experience. And he can never doubt, amen, that Jesus rose from the dead. Well, I want to uh, pick up where I left off this morning and begin to talk to you some more about that tonight and, and then break down into some specifics. Amen. Because we need an experience like that. Amen. To seal our faith. Uh, amen. And that thing is triggered by many different issues can cause uh, a supernatural experience to literally like a magnet be attracted to your life. And so we're going to look at that because some of what faith is, uh, is not just a belief system. Faith is something you say, right? Something you believe and something that you do. Amen. And so we're going to say it tonight as I preach it. We're going to believe it. Amen. And we are going to do it. Now, that belief part involves how you think. Faith is connected to your perspective, to your mentality, and how you process life. And sometimes the best way to get a miracle from God is to find the ability to think differently. Think outside the box. There was a job interview question that appeared uh, for these applicants. There were 200 applicants looking for a job. And one of the questions they were asked was to answer what they would do in this scenario. Now, pretend, pretend you're the one looking for the job and you have to answer this question. Listen to this. You're driving down a road in your two-seat sports car on a wild, stormy night. And you drive past a bus stop and you see three people standing in the rain waiting for the bus. The first is an old lady who looks as though she's about to die. <laughs> the second is an old friend who once saved your life. The third is the perfect partner that you have been dreaming about your whole life. <laughs> that right there tells you it's a fantasy. Amen. And so which one of these, which of these would you choose to offer a ride to knowing you only have room for one passenger in your car? That's the question. So here you have three options. The old lady who looks like she's going to die, the friend who once saved your life, 
And I hope you feel some gratitude toward that. Or then, the man or woman of your dreams. This is a moral question, an ethical question. You could pick up the old lady because she's going to die. Thus, you could save her life. You could pick up your old friend who once saved your life and feel a sense of, amen, of repayment. Perfect time to pay him back. Or you could pick up, a, amen, that perfect mate and live happily ever after. And so the company would ask a question like this because what it shows to them is by who you pick up, it shows what you believe. One, you pick up the old lady because the outside person, the customer, matters most. Or two, you pick up your friend because the company matters the most, those that help you. Or third, you pick up your life partner because you matter the most. And they'll ask you a question like that to try and discern where your loyalties lie and, and who you're going to honor and what you're going to do first. Well, the candidate who was hired out of the 200 applicants came up with this answer. She said this, I would give the car keys to my old friend, let him take the lady to the hospital, and I would stand there in the rain next to the partner of my dreams waiting for the bus. <laughs> Genius. You know why they hired that lady? Because she said, I'm willing to use what I have, my car, my resources, to give it away so everyone can end up with something good. Hired. So what I want you to get out of this sermon tonight is the understanding that sometimes the breakthrough you need in life comes with your ability to go outside the box and do something that is not normally you. <laughs> Amen. Genesis 29, verse 1. And Jacob, we're going to look at this text throughout the sermon tonight. And Jacob went on a journey and he came to the children of the east. And he looked and behold, there was a well in the field and there were three flocks of sheep that were by it. And out of that well, they watered the flocks and there was a stone, a big stone laid upon the mouth, upon the well's mouth and it was great. And uh, the, the flocks were gathered there and they would roll away the stone from the well's mouth and water the sheep and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in its place. And Jacob said unto them, my brethren, where are you for, uh, whence are ye? And they said, we are of, of Haran. And he said, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, yeah, we know him. And he said unto them, is it well with him? And they said, it is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter comes with the sheep. And he said, lo, it is now high day. It's like noontime, the heat of the day. Neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together. So water the sheep and go and feed them. And they said, we cannot until all the flocks be gathered together. And then they roll away the stone from the well's mouth and we water the sheep. And while he was yet speaking to them, Rachel came with her father's sheep and she kept them. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and he rolled the stone from the well's mouth and he watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And in case you didn't know it, that's his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And, and she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to the house. So let's look at three things tonight. One, Jacob is pursuing the issues of his life. Then we're going to talk about some of the details of this story and how it relates to us. 
And I want to finish about unlocking the rewards that can come to you when you deal with these issues, okay? So Jacob is in a life pursuit, okay? We know he's on a journey. He's pursuing his destiny. He's pretty much just moved out of the house to find his fame and fortune. So if you look in Genesis 28, one chapter before, amen, the word came to him from his father, rise, go down to Pedanaram to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take from you a wife from the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee, make thee fruitful, multiply thee, that you might be a company of people, uh, and give you the blessings of Abraham to you and to your seed, uh, that you may inherit the land of the sojournings which God uh, gave to Abraham. And so here we have Jacob now. He's venturing off on his own, and he's out for fame and fortune, isn't he? He's, he has a plan for his life. Uh, he's traveled about 400 miles to get to where he is, uh, and that plan was completely self Centered. He's pursuing this unknown future, uh, amen, very ambiguous, uh, but he's looking for being multiplied, being fruitful, being a company of people, uh, blessings of Abraham and to him and to his seed, uh, inheriting land. Uh, he's looking for riches, fame, and fortune. You know, all of us in life are just looking for just a little bit to get by. We, you know, you'd have to, you think sometimes, man, there has to be more to life, right, than, than just work a job, uh, you know, uh, pay some bills, raise a couple of kids who hopefully don't go to prison, uh, uh, you know, have enough money to retire on a golf course, uh, and maybe your money will live longer than yourself. I mean, don't you think there has to be something more to life than just that? Well, he had a plan, and he's trying to fulfill all of those things. He wants a legacy. He wants his life to have meaning. He wants something. And in his pursuit, he now ends up in this place where there's this well. And this is where his fantasies of what he's pursuing begins to come down unto realities of what he's faced with. In verse 2, he looked and behold, there was a well in the field and three flocks of sheep were lying thereby. So let's consider the facts. Here he is, in fact, he's looking and pursuing a wife, a career, riches, and fame. His eyes are now focused upon a field. He found a well. This is a place of refreshing in a field of struggle. You know, it's hot in the Middle East, right? They're out there, all these sheep. There's not much shade. And so when you come across a well, everybody wants to be a part of that. It's an oasis and a place, amen, of refreshing in a field of struggle. The sheep, here's another fact, how they always need refreshing. Sheep always need refreshing. And he encountered then a stone of opposition. There's a heavy weight, a burden that is blocking the sheep from being refreshed. This is all basic common sense fact we pull from this story. Now, because of evaporation, because of vandals, uh, amen, wanting to stop up the wells, uh, what they would do in the Old Testament times when they find a well in the middle of the desert, have access to that incredible resource, uh, they get a big stone and they lay it upon that. And that causes the evaporation not to happen. And it also uh, uh, marks that region as not, this is not a community well. This well belongs to somebody. And with that comes this thought that it sure would be nice for somebody to do something about this, right? He's looking around. Uh, he sees this stone laid upon this well, and he sees these three flocks of sheep. Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. You get everybody standing in line at McDonald's. Somebody needs to order. You get all these sheep sitting around the well. Somebody needs to water them. It's a problem that needs to be solved. And what does he find? He finds a couple of guys sitting there doing nothing. 
<laughs> those, those are the guys who work behind the counter at, at McDonald's. They're the ones sitting around doing nothing. It's like, hello. <laughs> you know, but here it is. Look at verse 8. And they said, we cannot water the flocks until all of the flocks be gathered. Then we roll away the stone from the mouth and we water the sheep. Okay, so here's another fact. There's a mentality that he's finding here. It's not just a big stone, but it's also how people think. They're thinking, this is how it's always been done. This is what we're used to. We got to wait till all the sheep show up. Then we can roll away this stone. So these are all the facts that we find in this story. Now let's draw some parallels between the scripture and real life. Simplest parallel is sheep need refreshing, right? Sheep are people. People need refreshing. All you have to do is look around, man, and you'll see. Go to any red light. And you'll find somebody holding a sign that says, I need help. Amen. Folks need help. They need refreshing. If your eyes are on the field, you're going to see lots of flocks of sheep that need refreshing. We're also going to find opposition to this refreshing. Because, you know, meeting the needs of people, there's a heavy stone mentality, right? They said, we have to wait. We cannot water the flocks until they all are gathered together. This is more than just the, the rock. As I said, this is an established thinking. This is the status quo. This is them saying lifting that rock is too hard. It's too big a burden for us to do. And this is always how it has been done. What they're saying is they think somebody else needs to meet this need. We're going to sit here in the shade and wait for somebody else to come and open up this avenue so the sheep can be refreshed. And that is a mentality, amen, that people have is they want to sit around. They know that they look upon the field. They see the sheep need refreshing. They see the refreshing resources right there. But in their minds, they say, this is somebody else's job. Somebody else needs to be the one who's helping these sheep get refreshed. You still with me? And I like to sit around and do nothing. Remember the old illustration I had to Google because I, I knew it was out there, man, but I, I don't have this memorized. But it's a, remember this one? There was an important job that needed to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. When was the last time you heard this, man? For me, it's been years. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry at that because it was everybody's job to do. But everybody thought anybody could do it, and nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> it's like, you know, I think my grandfather had that on a plaque, you know, in his workshop. And I remember reading that as a kid. But, you know, that is so true in life. We sit around and go, oh, he needs to meet that need. Come on, bro, meet that need. We sit around thinking inside the box. Restrictive thinking, it's not my yub. I've never seen it in this fashion. We get so locked into the small mentality of how things are done by somebody else that we do not see what we can do. We're always waiting for somebody else to bring the breakthrough. Isn't that human nature to wait? Wait for, you know, Spider-Man to show up. Wait for uh, Captain America to come. Uh, you know, wait, uh, wait for, you know, somebody to save us. And nobody wants to do the hard thing so everyone can be refreshed. But we like to sit around and complain that no, nobody's doing the hard things for everybody else to be refreshed. You know what Jacob does? He comes along and he says, you know what? I'll do it. 
<laughs> How easy was that? He had a vision outside the box. What do you mean you got a waiter? You got sheep, you got... Come on, let's meet this need. You guys sitting around waiting because, you know, it's, a, it's not... To, what are you, a union job here? You can't work unless the, it's in the certain... And he's like trying to figure this out. And then what... Verse 10, it all comes together. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, woohoo, and all of her sheep... Man, he rolled the stone from the well's mouth. You know, the things a man will do for a woman, man. <laughs> he's like, I'll, I'll save you now. Amen. And he's coming to deliver her. And he took it upon himself to do the hard thing. Maybe it was to impress a girl. We don't know. But the decision not to wait was definitely there. And he rose up and did it himself. See, the problem here is we all sit around waiting for the breakthrough. And we don't realize that we are the breakthrough. You can be the breakthrough for somebody else. Jacob got a breakthrough. He saw the need. He made a conscious decision. He rose up in the power of his will, and he met the need. Then the rewards came. Life-altering connection to destiny. Verse 11, and Jacob kissed Rachel. <laughs> First date. And he lifted up his voice and wept. Uh, and Jacob told Rachel uh, that he was the father's brother uh, and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. Something now is beginning to change for Jacob. This is not just a random encounter, you know, his first date. What this is, is he is now meeting his future wife. This is the beginning of a whole new chapter of destiny in this man's life that came because he rose up and did something. Verse 13, it came to pass that Laban, when he heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him, embraced him, kissed him, brought him to the house, uh, and told Laban all of these things. And Laban said, surely you are bone of my bone and my flesh. He stayed there for about a month. Laban was the vessel that was going to facilitate destiny for Jacob. The wife he was going to get came from that house. The job he was going to have came from that house. The riches he was about to possess came from that house. His entire future destiny was all linked to this one encounter that came when he was thinking outside the box. And look what happened. It says that Laban came running. You know, when you think outside the box, guess what? Destiny comes running to you. Destiny embraced him accepted him as family. You are bone in my flesh. Destiny kissed him. This is more than just a greeting. This conveys an impartation of blessing upon an intimate level. And then destiny brought him to his place, to a location, to his house. Laban's house, you know, destiny had an actual location for him, a specific address. It made room for him the place of destiny was made for a man who found the ability to think differently than what was normal. It all happened because of something he physically did. The thinking outside the box triggered the action of rolling away the stone, which opened up the door for destiny to come running to him. Everybody still with me? So let's break down five things here. One, people need refreshing. 
to, it's going to take great acts, acts of strength to refresh the people. Three, you can't think somebody else is going to do it. Four, if you will roll away the stone of your stuck-in-the-box mentality, and in a great act of strength, destiny will come running to you. Say, that's awesome, Pastor, but what, what in the world are you even talking about? Y'all wonder what I'm saying. Huh? I understand all those principles. It wasn't me. What it means is one simple thing. Money. Sheep are expensive. <laughs> Look, I'm 20 minutes into it, and you had no idea I'm preaching on money. <laughs> money. We all sit around and think, yeah, the church needs money. Sheep need to be refreshed. Revival's expensive. World evangelism is expensive. Somebody else is going to do it. Uh, who, who would that be? It, it, it kind of looks like to me, you, you're, you're the ones in the church. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're the ones. Yeah, you, you got a little sign back there, right? You got a building pledge. You know, if you're going to get a building in this town, you know, when, Saturday night, we were wall to wall. Did you see that? I mean, look tonight, how many empty chairs there are. You guys are running out of space here. I don't know if your landlord's crazy or not. But wouldn't it be nice if you had a church of your own? A building of your own? And now there's buildings open. You know, I guess you could blame COVID for that. All of a sudden, there's all these properties now that are becoming available and, and landlords and owners that are willing to make some deals. But to buy commercial property, you need 10% down. It's what the bank wants. And, and you're going to need a building that's going to be at least a million dollars plus. That means you're going to need $100,000 in the bank. Holy moly, Pastor, where's that going to come from? It's going to come from people who can think outside the box. You've raised 34000 Don't give up. You're going to need that. Question is, what are you going to give? So I'm going to help you tonight. Because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> I'm going to take an offering. Why? Because you, you need money and you need it now. You need in 10 days as much as you can get in 10 days. And then you also need to back it up with a six-month pledge for a building fund. Now, if you're a visitor with us, I promise we do not do this every service. <laughs> We're not after all your money. But there are times where we do need to get some of it. And this time we need to get a little bit more than some. Okay? Things need to be get. We have to roll away those heavyweight stone mentalities like we always think somebody else with more financial muscle will meet the need. Well, you just need the self-employed guy, man. He just needs to. Or somebody, we know somebody makes a lot of money. Those two, they're both in the Navy, man, and they're both officers, and so they got money, and they just need to give, and they need to give, and they need to give. And, well, what can you give? What can you do? Jacob showed initiative that came out of ordinary times. You know, we think you can only roll away the stone at a specific call, like conference is coming. You guys know. I mean, you, you guys know what conference offerings are like, right? You guys are connected to Joe Campbell, Nobody can take an offering 
like Joe Kemp. Mark Olson comes pretty close, man. But I'll tell you, Pastor Campbell, when he starts raising money, you just want to sell it all the clothes you're wearing. Walk home naked. Amen. Nobody needs to see that. But that's what you want to do is give. You want to give everything. I can only give everything at conference. Well, it's a Sunday night. We can give on a Sunday night. He showed initiative. He said, I'm not going to wait until everybody shows up and it's the allotted specific time. Now's the time. There's a need right here. I'm going to meet that need right here. And when you do that, it's amazing how God will meet you and help you. Don't ever be afraid to give. Never be afraid to give. Some of you, you've got, you have access to $10,000 you could put in the offering. Boom. Maybe you have something you could sell. Well, I've got something we could sell. And you could, you, don't you think God would help you and bless you for doing something like that? Don't you think he would reward you for doing something like that? That he would bring blessing to your life that you're not even calculating on? Simply because you met the need and said, I'm going to give. I told you this morning about Kevin Babcock who, who had some debt from starting a business and he began to quadruple what he gave to pay off that debt. He said, I'm going to quadruple that number and, uh, and I'm going to pay down that debt. And then we pulled an offering. Amen. And he said, you know what? I'm going to quadruple what I give to God. And as he did that, man, just the blessings that came down upon his business, how their phone ringing off the hook. They had more work. They had to hire people. And then the house that, that he was looking to buy a house and the owners of the house, man, felt something toward them, said, we're going to drop the price in half so that you can have the house. He wasn't expecting that when he gave. He just said, I'm going to give to the need. But when you think outside the box, quadruple what you, you know, it's, if you're only giving a dollar a month, then it's no big deal. <laughs> but we're giving more than that, aren't we? You want me to quadruple what? That's what he did. And you, and you talk to him. You come to conference, anytime you see the guy, ask him, how are you guys doing financial? They have mastered the Dave Ramsey thing, man. They're teaching classes in our church once a year. We get so many people cutting up credit cards and getting set free from their debt and finding financial freedom that comes when you give. You can't outgive God. So I have another inspirational story, a personal one. Back in 1988, we took an offering in our church to launch our first international worker in all places into Barbados. The guy's name was Bill McGowan. And I felt I was at that time, I was engaged to my wife. We were four months away from our wedding. If there was ever a time you need money, it's to pay for the wedding of her dreams. <laughs> she already got the man of her dreams. And somebody asked me, where'd you meet me? Somebody asked me at lunch today, where'd you meet your wife? I said, oh, I met her at church. I met my wife at church. How I many know oh, church is the place you ought to meet your wife, man? I met my wife at church. She walked in the door with her sister, man, and the door opened up and she looked. Wow. Look at that snack. <laughs> Look at that, man. Wow, those eyes, that smile, that face, it's the man of my dreams. <laughs> and I was standing right behind the guy. <laughs> so we're getting ready to get married, right? This is our plan. There's a wedding, there's a reception, there's a honeymoon, all of this stuff. And we're going to send a church overseas. 
you know what, I need to give. I prayed, God, what, what should I give? I got to pay my bills and stuff. And I just felt, I felt I'm going to make a pledge. From now until we get married, four months, God, I'm going to give you everything I make above 40 hours, which is no real big step of faith because I only work like 40 hours. And so, God, I'm going to give you everything, man, above 40 hours. You know what? As soon as I made that pledge, all of a sudden my boss said, listen, we have this big job coming up and Saturdays will now be mandatory. All of a sudden, people started calling me up on the phone for side jobs. Listen, we will overpay you if you can come here tonight and do this side job. How much will you overpay me? <laughs> I would literally write the, I would sign the check, endorse it right to the church to give. God opened up miracle. I, you know, I had a birthday. There was Christmas. I mean, there's like all these things were happening all during this time. And people, you know how it was, I know it was God because people who owed me money paid me back. That's a miracle, man. Some of you ought to get convicted by that. That's a miracle, man. I knew it. And all that money I gave and I gave and I gave and I gave. And we didn't have anything. We didn't, we didn't have money. We needed to get a, a stove. We needed to get, a, you know, a, a washing machine and a dryer. I mean, we needed a honeymoon. <laughs> Where were you going to go? I don't know. Maybe one day we'll go to Barbados and preach in that church and minister in that church, outreach on an impact team in that church that we were paying for. So, you know, I had to tell my girlfriend, my fiance, that, you know, our first fight was not about money. Amen. And she was right on board. She agreed. She said, okay, if that's what you think. I said, yes, I'm marrying the right woman. And I made my pledge. And on the morning of our wedding, as I'm sitting there in the front row, amen, and I'm going to marry this woman in about 20 minutes, uh, amen, they took the last offering, and here's my pledge. God, this is my final pledge. I'm sealing it. Here it is. I've, I've fulfilled my pledge. I've given you every single penny, even the stuff I found when I vacuumed the floor mats. I'm giving you everything I've got. Above 40 hours, it's all yours. What a joy. You know, when it came time to open up all the gifts, that was the immediate reward. You know, and I was kind of expecting that. I told my wife, I said, yeah, I think the money, they'll pass around the plate, you know, and uh, we'll get gifts and cars from people, and hopefully we'll have enough money to go on our vacation, uh, take our honeymoon there. Might just be, you know, Myrtle Beach, but at least we'll have something to do. <laughs> I started opening up these things. You know how much money came in? Enough for us to go to Bermuda. Thank you, Jesus. Right before that, I had somebody come up and say, hey, you know, I have an old washing machine, man. Would you like it? We're getting a new one. Works fine. Yes, I will. I had another guy come up and said, man, we have two dryers. You can have them both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we got two stoves. <laughs> it's like... Can anybody just give me a toaster? It's like, come on, man. What? I mean, but people just blessing and blessing and blessing. We get back from our honeymoon. My, gra my grandfather had passed away about six months before our wedding. My grandmother just said, you know, she called me up out of the blue. You guys back? You had a great honeymoon. I was Bermuda. Listen, next time you get a chance to come up here, your grandfather's car is just sitting here, and I'm not ever going to drive it. Would you guys like it for a wedding present? Yes, we would. 
yeah, I'm 19 years old, and I'm driving a big old honking old man car. You know, it's like, <laughs> I kept that car. And when that car died, when that car died, somebody else gave me a car. So here you go. Would you like this car? Yes, I would. And we drove that car until it died. And when it died, that same guy who gave me the last car gave me another car. It was a station wagon. And I drove that station wagon. And then when that died, somebody else gave me another car. So I got four cars. We go out to pastor. We get into Atlanta, Georgia. We have a girl in our church who's going through a very difficult divorce. We're helping her through that, doing everything we can, loving this woman, serving her, helping her, you know, negotiating, trying to work out a deal. You know what you go through when people get divorced. There's kids involved, and the guy was crazy, and it got ugly there. And you know what? Then we made the decision. We're going to move to Jacksonville to become an evangelist. And the girl's mother, who never came to our church ever, showed up at my doorstep while we're just before we move and says, you know what, I know you guys are leaving. I'm so thankful for how you helped my daughter. I want to give you this van. She just handed me the keys, handed me the title, just handed it to me. You know what's incredible is, is that woman worked for the IRS. <laughs> Why has the IRS ever given you anything, man? <laughs> but headaches. It's incredible. You know, one day I come home from church, I think my drunk neighbor is parked in my, in my driveway. I'm like, what car is that, man? So I sit in my driveway, I walk up to it, and it's got a bow in the windshield, and the keys are on the floor mat. And somebody from 1,200 miles away shipped a car to my house. Title's in the glove box. It wasn't even my birthday. Then our kids, you know, we needed a little bit more room. We needed a van. Well, guess what? That van that the lady gave me from the IRS, that died. Somebody else gave me a van. Just gave me a Dodge van. My wife drove it through a really deep puddle. Some water went up in the exhaust pipe and died. <laughs> I won't say anything about women drivers. She learned a valuable lesson about cars and water. <laughs> and I'm like, what are we going to do? Somebody said, I got you. You got me? Yeah, here's a Honda Odyssey with 30,000 miles on it for free. Just come and pick it up. Okay. Somebody gave me a Volvo 740 Turbo. Just gave it to me. Somebody else gave me a, a, a Volvo S70. Just gave it to me. When that car died. I ended up with a, ended up with a, with a Pontiac Montana minivan. You guys have seen that minivan. I've come up here with that minivan. 04, 27,000 miles on it. It's got 241,000 miles on it. My, another car died. I've got a, a Lexus ES350. That's the car. It's at, at the hotel. 
Cars have been given to me since that one offering. It's been 32 years, and every car I've owned, 12 of them, have been given to me. I had no idea that was going to happen when I gave in the offering. I'm sitting in my house two weeks ago, and I get a knock on the door, and it's the exterminator. We know him in our family. He's a little off. You know, everybody knows him in the neighborhood. He comes up. Oh, I done had an accident. <laughs> do, you, do you need my bathroom? <laughs> it's like, what kind of accident? He said, I was just down coming around the back of the cul-de-sac, and I got a thing on my text, and I looked at my phone, and I drove into the back of your van. You hit my parked van in the street on a cul-de-sac? You done did have an accident. <laughs> What in the world am I going to do with this? All smashed up? That van had 241,000 miles on it, man. You know what the blue book price of that is? $1,900. So I entered into the terrible realm of dealing with insurance claims. But hey, man, I read Trump's book, Art of the Deal, and I beat that guy up. No, no, that's not acceptable. I can't replace the van for 1900 bucks. Oh, no, you've got to do better. It finally came up to 2500 Oh, no, no, listen, uh, you didn't have to get a rental car because of me. It's sitting here in my yard, uh, and so you don't have to pay for storage and tow truck. Said, well, okay, and I talked him up to 3000 Then I called the company, the, the exterminator. Hey, man, what the heck? You know, I can't replace it with what they gave me. Will you guys help? And they said, okay, come down, pick up a check for 2500 <laughs> I mean, this thing is worth 1900 bucks, and they're giving me 5500 so they can take it away. I'm like, eh, okay. <laughs> I had no idea any of that was going to happen. But I gave in an offering. And God, for 30 years, has been giving back. I don't know what car I'm going to get next. I'm really excited to see what happens, man. Pastor, are you saying if I give, I'll never have to buy another car again? I don't know. I don't know what will happen when you give. But man, I sure do know what will happen if you don't give. That is, you'll miss the opportunity for destiny to come running to you. Ultimately, all it is, is money. You throw away 20 bucks on a pair of shoes. You, you crazy people drop five bucks on a coffee. Give your Starbucks money in a pledge. That'll buy a building in no time, man. I'm, I don't drink coffee. I'm completely drug-free. Hallelujah, man. I get all my caffeine from chocolate. Now you're talking, which is awesome, man, but it makes my clothes shrink. I don't, well, that works, man, but... Listen, you give because it's not really money. You know what it is? It's an issue of your will. It's an issue of I own. It's mine, <laughs> my precious. And you'll turn into that whacked out monster tomb. Listen, you have an opportunity, like I said this morning. We don't take lots of offerings. We don't take lots of pledges. We're respectful of that. But there's a need now, isn't there? You got 10 days to raise what you can, then you got six months to make some pledges.
Can you come up with $70,000 during that time? Yeah, that's only seven people need to give 10,000. 14, I'll give five. I've got some money coming back from, from Joe Biden. I, that's not marked for anything. That could be given to God. You wouldn't even miss it. It's not like it takes from you. It's just not giving you the advantage you could get. Well, I want God to have the advantage. I don't know what will happen, but I know destiny will come running to you. Maybe miracle gifting that will make room for you 30 years after the offering. And God will still be opening doors. Because you can't outgive God. I said tonight, I said this morning that tonight, today could be a day that will change your life forever. That's what I'm talking about. I'm going to go back to the hotel and jump in the car that I did not pay for and haven't, haven't paid for. I'm going to drive it like I own it. Because I do. Because God gave it to me. What will God give to you if you'll give to him? That's all I'm saying tonight. You feel inspired to want to do something? Good, because we're going to take an offering. Amen. Why don't we bow our heads then tonight? Amen. Across this place. All I can do is share with you.